Welcome to Grant's podcast, where we share firsthand stories of real-world rescues. Our guest today is Mariano Elias, who is with San Francisco Fire. At the time, he was working on Engine 7, uh, but it currently is uh, just got promoted and is riding the front right seat of Truck 19. Uh, welcome, Mariano. Uh, morning. Morning. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your department and your experience? Well, we're for San Francisco Fire Department. Uh, our department is roughly about 1,800 members, including our uh, full-time ambulance personnel. Uh, we, I've been on the department for 20 years now, uh, in the fire service for 22 years. Um, I actually, when this incident happened, was working at the firehouse, uh, which was about six or seven blocks from my home when I grew up in San Francisco. So I knew that uh, I wanted to work close to where I grew up. Uh, for a long time, it was predominantly Spanish speaking uh, community and uh, I speak Spanish. So I thought it'd be uh, a good place to work since it was my old neighborhood and I knew the area pretty well. What, uh, so when you grew up in that area, did you grow up in the same type of building that uh, this fire was in? So it was a little bit different, a smaller version. Uh, the home that I grew up in was uh, what we call flats. Uh, apartment takes up the whole floor. And uh, so the one I grew up in was a three-story uh, flat. And I lived on the top floor, the third story. Um, and this particular building is what we would call a uh, three-story a multiple unit apartment building with about uh, 10 to 15 units. They vary in size, but this is a larger building here that what this fire happened. So with your guys' area, I'm going to, I mean, obviously it's a bigger city. So I mean, I'm going to guess like some of your areas are the building types fairly the same layout in uh jurisdiction. So like engine sevens area, do they have fairly the same layout or are they all just messed up and different? Uh, there are there are some variables. Uh, some are very similar, and uh, some are very different. Uh, and uh, with the change in uh, you know real estate's a big thing here in San Francisco, so a lot of buildings have been remodeled from what their original design was. Uh, some were single family homes with multiple stories and have been uh, spaced up into rental units. They can get more money for their you know space. Uh, so it just kind of varies and, you know, it's been stressed to me for a long time to, you know, check out homes when we're on medical calls and kind of, uh, snoop around a little bit and take a look at the layouts or odd things uh, or how, uh, different, you know, one building can be from the next, just based on how people live there and, and the amount of uh, stuff they have in their, in their units. Absolutely. So with that, um, actually with that conversion, cause you guys are converting a lot of your multifamilies to richer single family dwellings and stuff. Does it, I mean, that's got to change the layout of like the stairs, how it gets to, you know, you're going floor one, floor two, floor three. Does that increase right. your guys's, um, probability of VES or do you guys, uh, has that not changed, uh, much on like going in by window? Um, so one of the things about our city, uh, that's, you know, kind of unique to its own is, um, most of our buildings were not allowed to do a 360. So uh, basically all we got is the office side of the building to look at when we do a size up. So um, it's very difficult per se uh, for laddering, you know, down the, to the Charlie side or, you know, 
Bravo Delta. So that, that throws that curveball in. Um, VES is probably not something that we have um, adopted in writing in our department. Um, of course, I would say that, you know, it would most likely be called a window rescue just for the fact that we're so traditional that uh, sometimes people don't like to introduce new things. But um, once the people understand what is actually happening, then um, they wouldn't be afraid to, to call it or, you, you know, do VES because I've, I've, we've done it before, um, just not labeled it as that such. Sure. Which, you know, realistically, I don't give a crap what anybody calls it. Call it window by search. Call it search. It doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, so what is a, what is a first alarm multifamily assignment consist of in your department? So uh, a first alarm is what we would call a, a full box alarm assignment. And that would be uh, three. So our staffing, first of all, is uh, on an engine company is four personnel. Uh, all our trucks are tillered. So there's five personnel on a truck. Uh, our heavy rescues, which there's two in San Francisco. We split the city in half. Uh, there's four personnel on that. And then our battalion chiefs, um, usually one chief, uh, or there's several battalion chiefs that have uh, a chief's aide or operator, we'd call them. Um, and then the division chief has two as well, which is the driver's operator. So basically it's three engines, two trucks, one heavy rescue, two battalion chiefs, a division chief, and an ambulance. So that's 32 personnel arriving on a first alarm assignment. Okay. What, uh, so what's the culture of search in your department? Like who, like who searches, when does it get assigned, stuff like that? Yeah, so um, basically uh, it's normally assumed that the rescue is gonna be doing the search. Um, the rescue company, uh, so I was on the rescue for eight years uh, at the same firehouse uh, where engine seven is staffed. Uh, so uh, station seven is the largest station in San Francisco. Uh, so it has one engine, the heavy rescue, truck seven, and the division chief. So we have 15 personnel um, on duty every day. And that's where I spent most of my career. So 14 years there, I just recently got promoted. And basically, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're responding right from the same firehouse on this particular fire. Uh, so it's, it's, it, we all came from the same place and search was going to be, uh, because when on the engine company, uh, the rescue is right behind our tail. Uh, it's pretty easy for them to, uh, start the search right, right from the gate. As soon as the hose line is, is making the front door. Sure. And then, uh, so when you guys do your residential searches, multifamily or single family, what's your guys' normal? Like, uh, we already talked about BES, but do you guys do this split search and like one takes one room, one takes another? Do you guys do oriented search where like one person stays in the hallway and leads other people? Do you guys do rope search? What do you guys do typically? Yeah, for residential, uh, normally our MO would be, um, you know, depending on the building, of course, but uh, for residential, we would not do a rope search. And uh, we usually would say the officer and uh, we'd call the junior firefighter behind him. But uh, most, while I was on the rig, I was the junior guy for a long time with, uh, with 15 years in, you know, so it was kind of interesting that uh, it was a very senior uh, company. 
and um, good problem to have. Yeah, right. Which uh, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and uh, they can. Sh they, I learned a lot from a lot of the guys that I work with there, which was awesome. Uh, and, and just you know, even when I was in the engine company there, I'd, I'd pick up uh, you know little tips and tricks and, and just hear the stories that they've uh, they've gone through. But normally, it's the officer and the junior firefighter take the fire floor, and the driver and the firefighter behind him would take the floor above. Uh, so we split the, basically the, the company in half and then take two per floor. If it was a top floor fire, then we'd all go in. Um, sometimes it would be bottlenecking at the front door with, uh, you know, the first engine, depending on, uh, because like I said earlier, the rescue company covers half of the city. So yeah. depending uh, where, how far out they were going, uh, you would either get there, for example, with engine seven, you're right behind them, kind of, you know, on their tail. And uh, if you're going out further out the line, then uh, you might be arriving when second due engine is already deploying their line. And so you'd have uh, sometimes a potential for bottlenecking at the door or the hallway, which would prohibit us from uh, getting around or, or, you know, into the unit further or ahead of the line. Uh, but we're usually just uh, a pair of two and um, I've, I've done it. We've done it several ways where uh, we'd search one room and one would uh, or orient to the door or we've done uh, several rooms simultaneously uh, across the hallway from each other and just a voice contact uh, depending on the, uh, you know, the severity of the fire and, and you know, smoke. That would probably dictate our actions a little more, you know. Do you guys, let's, when you guys start searching, do you guys uh, vent as you search? Like, like my department, like, you know, we'll isolate and take out windows and vent each room, depending on, you know, depending on how what the visibility is. Do you guys, are you guys allowed to do that? Is that normal practice for you? Yeah. So uh, basically, I, I'm going to tell you something that I was told when I was early on in the job, you know, I, I came in in 2000 and some of the old timers, you know, told me, uh, I'll carry some uh, D cell batteries in your pocket. You can use those to ventilate windows. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of random. I'm going to weigh myself down with a bunch of batteries, <laughs> you know? Uh, so that was pretty common practice to, uh, you know, a vent as you go kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I have, uh, you know, broken out bedroom windows uh, just to help with some lift of smoke you know, within the room. Um, but now I'm a little more, uh, you know, I guess, we've learned a little bit more about flow path and how uh, opening inventing a room can affect the fire flow. So uh, I basically tell people now, if we're going to ventilate a bedroom window, then we should probably close the door after we're done searching uh, that particular bedroom. Sure. All right. All right, Mariano. Uh, let's uh, take us back to January 17th, 2010 on engine seven. So I was a firefighter uh, on engine seven. Um, I was, I had 10 years in the fire department. I felt I was, uh, you know, in a good spot. Uh, the firehouse I always wanted to be at. And uh, I was working with a good crew that day. Um, we don't have an a, a, B, and C shift. So uh, we rotate on, uh, on the people we work with. So sometimes um, you have to get used to different, uh, you know, officers and that kind of thing. So uh, this particular day we're working, uh, we have a lieutenant rank. And, uh, so I was working with the captain of the engine that day. And, uh, so we get dispatched. Uh, it is, I don't remember the time exactly, but, uh, it's either midnight or a little bit past midnight. 
hours up to 2 a.m. And uh, basically the address comes in. It's on Guerrero Street, which is very close to the firehouse. I'm going to say it's probably a mile and a half at most. So we're talking, you know, uh, we have a pretty quick response time uh, getting out the door. It's always been stressed that uh, we make up time by getting out the door quick versus driving fast. So uh, whenever a box comes in, you know, uh, even we were in bed, of course, and, um, you know, we, we spring out go down the pole. So we still have poles in, in the firehouses in San Francisco and um, the engine is the first one out. Uh, we we kind of took pride in uh, trying to be the quickest one out the door. Of course, the, the battle between the, uh, the rescue and the, and the engine was always there to see who can beat each other out the door. The truck was a, you know, a close third, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, we're responding. Um, I knew exactly the street and uh, the cross street, um, was uh, Cumberland, which uh, randomly enough, uh, I used to go uh, after school to my mom's friend's house. She'd pick us up from school as a kid, and uh, and her her house was about six houses down from this particular intersection uh, on Cumberland. So the address is right at Guerrero and Cumberland. It's a corner building. Um, you know, I tell people at times when the, when the fire is so close to the firehouse we kind of are shuffling through to get suited up quick and be ready. So this is the, what was happening to me at the time I was, uh, you know, uh, we don't have our SCBAs in the rig. Uh, so we're fully dressed and, uh, I'm switching to the tactical channel in my ra on my radio at that time. Um, the radios didn't announce what tactical channel you were on. So I'm looking down at, uh, the radio itself and rotating the knob. Uh, that's, that's before I memorized, uh, the clicks on the, uh, on the radio itself. So I'm super detail oriented. Um, you know, I'm trying to have everything all, all buttoned up before I get out of the rig. And, uh, uh, the other firefighter paramedic, uh, Jason Reichert, he says to me, as we're turning the corner, we get there and he says, there's a lady in the window. And, uh, so I look up on my side and I see this lady in the window and I said, oh, shoot, uh, all right. And uh, it sprung up in my head uh, that I was going to grab the 22-foot uh, extension. Uh, we have 22-foot extension wooden ladders on the engines. And I was going to throw it up right to the person to get them down. Um, I didn't communicate that with him or the officer. Um, that was just going to be the first move before a line was pulled. And um, so we get out to the back. I, I'm the first one to the back of the... Uh, uh, the tailboard, that's where the ladder comes out. Uh, I'm met by the firefighter medic and I tell him I got it. And he says, no, I got it. And I, I think we're, he's maybe, we never really talked about this in detail afterwards, but maybe he wanted me to grab the line while he threw the ladder or whatnot. Um, but uh, I ended up, uh, I said, all right, well, we'll both get it, you know, kind of in a, in a quick haste. Um, so we both throw the ladder together. Um, he, you know, I extend it. I get to the sill of the window. I realize that the, uh, the naked woman is not a naked woman. It's a naked man. I, uh, and I tell people this all the time now, uh, based on this experience, this was a conscious victim at the window, his bedroom window. Uh, and he was ready to jump. But I told, I tell people if they're conscious and able to get on the ladder themselves, then, 
by all means, have him get on the ladder. So I asked him, I says, can you get on the ladder? He says, yeah. I said, we'll do it. So I'm halfway up the ladder when, when I'm done communicating that and he gets on. Um, at some point, uh, while he's descending the ladder, uh, I said, well, this guy's good. I'm going to get off the ladder. He doesn't need my help anymore. Um, you know, uh, might've not helped that he was naked, but, uh, so I said, all right, yeah, my buddy was footing the ladder. So that was good. He comes down. I grabbed the, uh, what we call a ready line, which is, you know, pre-connect. Uh, so we, the officer says, let's grab the 150. I said, all right, we grabbed the 150. Uh, so we have a smooth bore seven eighths inch tip on that. And, uh, we get directed by a civilian. Uh, the civilian met us at the corner was waving and pointing. Um, oddly enough, uh, once the civilian led us to the area he was taking us, I thought in the back of my mind, Oh no, we're going to get stuck. It was not through the front door. Our normal MO is to enter the front door and uh, access the, the, the unit on fire from the front. Um, but this person directed us towards the back of the building. This was a corner building, uh, which allowed access to the side, uh, to the rear side of the building. So based on that, uh, we go through some garbage cans. And when I see those, I go, man, we're going to get stuck here. I hope not. And uh, he ends, ends up taking us uh, into the building. This is a pretty uh, well-kept building, which helped. Uh, it was fairly easy to get into the second floor uh, with the hose line. And uh, he directed us right to the apartment that was on fire. Uh, while we get there, uh, Jason, he has the uh, Halligan. He works the door. While he's doing that, uh, I'm masking up and getting ready. The officer calls for the line to be charged. There was, thankfully, it was still uh, a lot of room to flake out the hose right there. Uh, and as soon as he uh, forces the door, we're going in. Smoke level was probably uh, below doorknob, uh, if not more. And um, I probably take about, you know, I'm on my knees and I take about two or three steps in, door, uh, wooden door, inward opening swung to the right. Uh, I make the left to go down the hallway. And uh, next thing I hear is Jason telling me something muffled. And I said, I said, what? And he says, get off the guy. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget this because I was told <laughs> some of the senior guys that um, in my department long ago that a lot of times engine companies will find people uh, not by searching, but by actually going over them and not uh, recognizing that it's a, it's a fire victim. And I, I never really thought, well, how's that even possible? You know? Um, but I guess, you know, with adrenaline, low visibility and uh, you know, my drive to get to the seat of the fire and knock it out, I didn't notice. I figured this person was a pack rat, um, which happens quite a bit, uh, where there's a lot of, you know, stuff around the hallway or very, uh, limited accessibility behind, you know, the door and that kind of thing. So, uh, once I realize that this is a person, I back up and put the nozzle down, which is kind of, uh, you know, we're told never do that, you know, but, uh, Jason and I helped pick up the, uh, the gentleman and, uh, 
How'd you do that? What'd that look like? So he was, uh, he was laying uh, prone. I think he was basically trying to escape the, uh, the unit and uh, head and towards fell. the head, head, head towards, towards the egress. Yes. Head okay. towards the egress. And uh, so we kind of flipped him over and I helped uh, Jason. I kind of grabbed him by the hips while Jason grabbed the uh, underneath the arms armpits. And um, as soon as that happened, uh, about 15 seconds later, the rescue arrived and we just handed him off to the rescue right around the door sill area because uh, we weren't far in at all. So it wasn't much um, dragging or pulling. Um, you know, Jason and I just kind of muscled him up. Uh, he was, you know, in pajamas or whatnot. So not much to grab onto. Just, uh, you know, like I said, muscled him up and uh, handed him off to the rescue. And then we uh, continued on to uh, the seat of the fire and, and extinguished the fire. Right on. What, uh, I got lots of questions now. <clears throat> All right, yeah. let's go back to the guy hanging out the window, right? Yeah. So you guys show up. Um, you guys, you guys, you guys got the 22 foot ladder. What do you guys get it? What do you guys have a 22 foot ladder on the engine for Converse, Like, you know, you know, most people have 24. Do you guys have a 22 because that fits your second story windows or your third story windows or something? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm going to say probably just tradition, you know, that's what the engine companies have. Um, it's, it's an interesting ladder cause it's, uh, it's not your traditional aluminum. Like most departments have, you know, it's, it's wooden. And uh, it has pendulum paws that lock the uh, onto the rungs, which are not the greatest. And um, you know, it's more of a accessory use ladder, I would say, more so than a rescue ladder for an engine company. Just because we have so many trucks, uh, we have 20 trucks in the city, and um, and they have a ton of ladders uh, for ladder work. Um, traditionally, engine companies are engine companies we pull line trucks throw ladders yep. very very vertically ventilation driven fire department um you know which is great uh, a lot of personnel i mean we get 10 truck members on scene of any fire so um right off the bat so that that allows for um you know us, them to cover their ladder throws uh, so that's kind of why the engine you know has that ladder it's more of an accessory ladder to get into buildings just uh you know welfare check or someone's locked out of their home type thing is, is the predominant use for that ladder. Okay. What, uh, so when you guys arrive, you guys roll up, you see the gentleman out the window, uh, any smoke out that window, what the, what the conditions of the window look like and what floor was he on? Yeah. So he was on the second floor, um, uh, of that unit, uh, building in his unit. Um, there is a like semi below grade, uh, you know, area of that building. So, uh, he is on the second floor though and smoke. Yeah. Coming out of, out of, around him, uh, on the window. And so I see the smoke and, uh, so I see the urgency in, in, uh, getting to him first, even yeah. though I truck is right behind me and, um, they're coming from the same firehouse. Right. So, uh, it was in this whole scenario that I just told you, um, second do had not even arrived yet, you know? So it was, it all happened so fast. Like, I, I don't really know where um, everyone was, but you know, just, just knowing that um, I know the rescue gets out the door just as quick as the engine and to have that second victim already uh, basically handed to them at the, at the front door, um, it all happens super quick. And what, what, uh, what fire was the, was, or what uh, floor was the fire on? It was on the second floor. So okay. it, was, it was this 
these two uh, gentlemen lived in the same unit. Oh, the, oh, okay. So yes. All right. So that was the same unit. So two picks out of the same, or one pick yes. and one grab out of the same unit. Yes. All right. All right. right. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to put this together in my head. All right. And it's basically um, uh, I sent you the photo, but basically it's the Charlie uh, side where this gentleman was uh, from the window. Um, so basically, yeah, it's uh, it was because this was a corner building, mm-hmm. uh, and we call these split blocks. The reason why it's a split block is um, our numbering, our numerics for uh, addresses in San Francisco are usually, uh, for example, this particular street, Guerrero, I know that the west side is going to be the even side. Um, and then the split block normally is a normal block would be, uh, let's say, we'll take the number 100 to 198. So the next block is 200. To 298 relatively in that fashion um, on the even side so because this one's a split block uh, this particular address um, has a, a small street dividing the block so this was like the 600 block um, it wasn't 600 to 698 this, this was a you know 672 uh, it was actually uh, in between another block which allowed the access to the uh, Delta side of the building. That's where I threw the ladder or we threw the ladder. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I loved how uh, you guys second victim, you guys handed off the victim and, and uh, went back to fire attack, which to me, I've, you know, I've learned uh, from others and over time is more of if you're fire attack, you can hand off the victim when you can. If, even if it's your search, if you can hand off the victim, you go back to you go back to search, so you don't have to tell them what you've searched or what you haven't. So I love that. Um, so let's get back to like you. Fo- you guys found that second guy, and he, and he says, "Get off the guy." And yes. uh, so, like, let, let's talk about reality versus actually like, training and or like how we actually search with our hands physically. Because you were actually fire attacks. you weren't really searching at the time. No, know, ten years ago. Uh, no. So let's say you were search like. We'd, uh, we always teach, you know, we don't pat anymore. We, we try to like actually feel things and pick some up, pick them up for contour and weight. Like what kind of training, like what did you learn from this, this rescue uh, first off? And then like, how do you guys uh, envelop that into your training or do you? Well, uh, a couple of things that come to mind real quick when you say, ask me that is uh, it happens real fast. Um, at this particular time in my career, I don't know if I had a, a plan or, uh, you know, what I've learned, continue to learn. Um, you know, uh, I had, like I said, I had heard, uh, other senior members, uh, tell me before that, uh, you know, you may trample over people or, or later find the victim, um, on, on, you know, previous cases before. So, uh, I actually didn't feel this guy at all. Um, so that, that was the interesting part of it because I was so focused on pulling line and that's my main job per se on the engine as a nozzle firefighter that, uh, I just thought it was stuff that I had to get over to get to where I needed to go. Um, you know, Which I think I moved- it's a huge point for our listeners out there is like, we have to like, like not for fire attack, but if you're searching and stuff is that we have right. to actively be, searching for these people and you were uh 10 years on at san fran and 12 years in experience overall 
Yeah. That it's not like you are brand new, um, <clears throat> flat, you know, um, you right. know, focus just on the fire. Like this happens to all, you know, many of us um, that we get, uh, that we will walk on victims, but that's w- the reason why we stay low and uh, right. we continue to train and we talk about things like this. Right. So I think from sharing experiences and, and hearing stories um, from others, you know, uh, and not thinking, oh, that'll never happen to me. Or, you know, uh, basically you can pick up a lot of things just by, by listening. Um, and that's, what's cool about the kitchen table and, uh, and hanging around with, with, uh, the guys experience. And I was fortunate enough to, to work with a lot of, uh, senior members and, and worked at good houses. And this was a fairly decent, um, you know, busy engine company. Uh, but basically these, uh, this, the way we, we position ourselves, and like you mentioned, uh, we got to stay low. We have to sweep, you know, the floor with our hands, um, you know, travel the routes of, of victims, which are normally going to be their egress points, um, you know, try to maintain, uh, you know, orientation of, of where you came in, what you've seen already. And um, I'll always remember to try to have a, an exit out as well uh, while we're doing all this. Uh, and I, I really liked the way we, we did our searches was, uh, was quick expedient, you know, with, um, with the other guys, uh, because we were focused on getting towards the fire as quick as we could, you know, locating it, combining it if possible. And, uh, sometimes, like I said, we'd get ahead of the line and I know, that, uh, some people may not be comfortable with that. Um, but that over time became the, kind of the norm, uh, not going, you know, going in without a hose line in place. Or, or getting ahead of it so you can do your job. One drawback to that is, uh, you know, getting blasted by the hose line. Uh, yeah. So that kind of sucks, you know, but uh, you know, they're there. So there is a comfort level of, of um, you know, and I'm going to say this because we are, uh, uh, you know, heavily staffed department. Uh, we know we have a lot of members there on scene fairly quickly. So that's, that's really good too. Um, you know, you know, the roof is going to get opened up. That's their primary uh, job for the truck company right off, right off the bat. And uh, if they, the truck company can split as well, uh, and they'll do some searching if needed, uh, if they're for, like I said earlier, if a truck company is further down the line, so that's basically where I'm at now after getting off the heavy rescue, getting promoted, I'm at the uh, southernmost tip of the San Francisco. So basically the rescue is further away. So I tell my crews now, if uh, I'm going to send, going to split the crew, I'm going to take one guy in with me and we're doing the search. We'll either assist with forcible entry uh, and then we're going to go in and, and search, locate the fire, confine it, and we're searching for victims right out the gate while the other members uh, throw a 35 and get to the roof and vertically ventilate. And uh, we'll cover more bases that way quicker. Absolutely. I love that. I love you already talking about that and understanding that the rescue is not as close anymore. Is that a normal thing within your department to understand that like, Hey, you know, the rescues another couple uh, FMZs away or FMAs, what do you guys want to call it? Um, right. We should probably split, you know, whatever, four to the roof to the inside or is that not normal? Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, it'd be three, three to the roof and then two inside. Yeah, that's, that, that's, uh, that's pretty much normal now uh, for a lot of companies, unless some other circumstance exists, you know, if presented. Sure, um, absolutely. Because, you know, we do know that the next truck company is coming because uh, we do get two 
with five five people on each one. So um, we try to. Uh, for me, I think that the uh, covering the most bases as quick as you can uh, is going to help win the, the game. Absolutely. Uh, all right, I got two follow ups here. Um, so one, uh, I'm, I'm guessing the guy that was hanging out the window survived. What about the other one that was inside? Or did he survive? Did thankfully, either one of them survive or die? Thankfully, both both survived. Yes, they did. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, so since you guys are San Fran, and whenever I think about San Fran, I think about wooden ladders uh, uh, and um, sloped um, sloped uh, topography. If you guys have someone hang out the window, and looking at this building, it was fairly flat, but uh, you guys are going to throw a ground ladder to them, and it's on a slope. How do you guys overcome that slope to make that grab? So every truck company has a uh, set of, uh, we call them the wood blocks. They're basically wedges cut to different uh, thicknesses. Uh, and it basically they hang at the back right where uh, the ladders are. So it's pretty standard for the, uh, the tillerman to grab the blocks while they're grabbing the, uh, the ladder, the ground ladder and they'll bring it with them. They're kind of either, uh, they're on a, uh, a webbing and they are screwed into the webbing and the wood itself. And we put the wedge in uh, right underneath the spur to help level it out. Okay, perfect. I figured you guys would be the department to talk to about that, about that kind of stuff. So Yeah, uh, we got some good laddering. Uh, tradition you know for so, so many years that uh, it's been passed down quite a bit and they really stress that uh in the academy quite a bit the 50 foot ladder that we have on every truck company is kind of rare for most places and because they're wooden that particular ladder weighs over 350 pounds six person raise you can modify and do a five person i've seen a four person but uh we try to use you know all personnel on the rig itself to uh, get that big ladder up. Awesome. I love it. What else you got for us? You got anything else for us today, Mariano? I'm sure you got tons of wisdom in your head. Uh, no, I, you know, I just, uh, I just try to share my experiences. Uh, I think uh, as an, as a new officer, I try to share what I can to the members. Um, I try to tell people to just stay focused you know, as much as I uh, love all the BS and around in the firehouse, that uh, the job is we're there to do a job and uh, the citizens expect, you know, 100%. And I know it's, uh, you know, we don't get fires every day, but, you know, you're always constantly looking around. I, I, I did get a good tip uh, from another officer one time. He says, you know, if you guys want to go get coffee in the morning, do your thing, get some coffee and then uh, pick pick a two block street, you know, walk two blocks, you know, and, and with your crew and take a look at where am I laddering? What if we get a fire in this building? Well, oh, this is set back or this, we're on the hill here, or this is a dead end street, uh, you know, forcible entry issues, all that. And you can still do that while having your coffee and getting, getting some steps in, you know, so you're really knowing your, your area quite a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Mariano, thank you for uh, coming on the show today and sharing your story. If you're on scene of a structure fire with a rescue or assist with a dead or alive civilian, help us capture our wins and specific details that improve our rescue and search across this nation 
and fill out one survey per victim on www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. You can also join the Facebook page group, Firefighter Rescue Survey, where hundreds of rescues are being recorded monthly. Uh, if you'd like to share your story on grabs, contact Grant Schwalbe. <clears throat> He's out of Florida, so just remember that when you call him on his time zone. Uh, he does uh, residential primary search, making the grab. He teaches for the FDIC. Uh, Nick Ledine, or you can contact myself, Justin McWilliams. Uh, I also run Search Culture on the Facebook. Um, there you have it. Thank you.